VegCast. VegCast 25. 25. VegCast. In the year 2007. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, we have a full menu indeed Veg once again on this 25th VegCast. For you this time, we're going to be talking about and looking at the nexus of the food industry, the U.S. government, and the uh, national media, and what happens when you get the three of those together in one spot. Uh, we have with us Mindy Kurspan, who's going to be talking about a uh, petition that Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine did uh, to the Federal Trade Commission to get the National Dairy Council to stop uh, putting out its uh, fraudulent weight loss claims in their uh, milk mustache ads. And the NDC subsequently did stop uh, those ads, and that's a great victory, at least for uh, clarity and truth in food advertising. And we also will have a song by a band that was on the very first VegCast back in July of 2005. That's Beloved Binge. They were in Seattle then. They relocated to North Carolina now and are gigging and playing up a storm down there. We'll hear from them. We'll also have a science fact that is specifically geared to the holiday grilling season and uh, some stuff that you might want to know. So keep your podcast tuner right here on VegCast. All right, right now on VegCast, we have with us Mindy Kurzban from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Mindy, welcome to VegCast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for being here. And uh, we wanted to speak with you specifically about the recent news that the FTC has announced the dairy industry ads uh, touting uh, weight loss advantage for milk uh, will be ending. And that uh, is very clearly uh, associated, let's say, with a uh, PCRM complaint that was filed, although the, uh, they made sure to say that, oh, it was just, well, they implied that it was just a coincidence that, uh, that this was ending now. Can you fill us in on that? Absolutely. In 2005, we filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission asking them to investigate these false claims that the dairy industry was making to try to dupe people into believing that if you consume milk, then that will help you lose weight. And it's, it's such an absurd claim, but unfortunately a lot of people did believe it. When you think about what the purpose of milk is, which is to make a 50-pound calf grow into a 500-pound cow, uh, it's just ludicrous that anybody would, would try to claim that it helps you lose weight if you consume it. But uh, so you, you filed an official complaint with the Federal Trade Commission, uh, which oversees uh, truth in advertising. And they did not actually rule on whether or not that complaint was, uh, you know, whether that necessitated the ending of these these ads. But they said, oh, well, we were going to do that anyway, right? Is that... Well, that's what the dairy industry has said, and, and you can take that for what it's worth. Um, I, I, my belief is they had no intention of ending it as long as they thought it was going to have some impact. Right. I mean, it's, it is pretty much uh, in, in America of <laughs> 2007 saying something helps you lose weight is uh, like uh, printing money practically. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's looking for that magic bullet. 
and unfortunately, there isn't any one magic bullet. If you don't, you know, eat one, if you eat one food, it's not going to magically make you lose weight if you continue to engage in, in bad eating habits. But in regard to in regard to the petition, um, part of the the scenario here is that the USDA, our U.S. Department of Agriculture, is the entity that was spearheading this program. It's called the Dairy Checkoff Program. So they were heavily involved in coming up with these claims and putting out, making sure this program. Uh, move forward. So the FTC, which doesn't necessarily have jurisdiction over the USDA, got together with people from the USDA as well as the dairy trade associations, and they and they reached an agreement. This is my understanding of what happened. They reached an agreement where the dairy industry and the USDA said that they will discontinue making this claim. And I understand uh, you were actually personally involved in writing up the petition and specifying what the Yes, I did. Well, that's, I mean, that's certainly something that we uh, should thank you for, uh, but that is part of your ongoing work there at, the, at PCRM. I mean, what, is, what exactly is uh, your area of, uh, your realm of expertise there? Well, well PCRM in general is trying to, um, you know, promote plant-based diets for health reasons and educate people about the benefits of consuming a plant-based diet and about the health risks of consuming animal products. And so the, the legal department um, is involved in areas where we can use the law to try to affect this change. So doing it, in this case, we relied on the Federal Trade Commission Act to, to sh set forth an argument as to why these claims were false and misleading under the, the statutory standards. Another example of legal action that PCRM is involved with is under Prop six, Proposition 65 in California, uh, where we are asking for warning labels on grilled chicken because it um, carries a lot of carcinogens, uh, cancer-causing compounds. And when you when there have been tests done to look at, um, they're called heterocyclic amines, and it's only, they're only found in animal products when they're cooked to a certain temperature. And the animal product that has the largest number of these carcinogens ha turns out to be grilled chicken. So PCRM has a lawsuit against several different chain restaurants, I believe TGI Fridays, um, McDonald's, um, Chili's, different, different chains that, that make grilled chicken sandwiches. We did a sampling. All the samples that we tested had um, levels of these carcinogens in them. So we're asking for warning labels so that people are aware. Because, you know, there's this mindset that people think, oh, I'm eating grilled chicken. I'm eating something healthy, right, and that's just not healthy. true yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, and now another reason is uh, that if they do have these carcinogens. The other reasons include they have cholesterol. They don't have chicken doesn't have any fiber. Chicken has fat in it. It may have um, less fat than some other things people consume, but it's still 23% of skinless grilled chicken. 20%, 23% of those calories are from fat. So it's not a health food, and this is just an, another another reason to, to to for people to remove chicken from their diet. But now let me just follow up on that very briefly. I know you're not a, a scientist; you're there in the legal department. But you did say that the particular uh, kinds of carcinogens that you're talking about are only filled, found in grilled uh, animal products. And I, I uh, when I see news reports about acrylamides, uh, they they seem to lump. Um, everything together, you know, saying that this is just basically uh, a byproduct of uh, of frying or grilling and so forth. But you're saying that there are actual, in addition to any other uh, baseline of 
of problems or, or chemicals that may be produced from fryer grilling. There are particular ones that are only found in animal products? Correct. Okay. Right. Beef and chicken and fish. And that's, I, I guess that's another thing that uh, we might want to be getting the word out, and that's part of what uh, PCRM uh, has been doing so well. I wanted to touch on another uh campaign uh, that was successful a few years ago, and I don't know if you were involved in this, but uh, one that forced the USDA to disclose uh, conflicts of interest among its uh, its committee members uh, that, that showed uh, publicly that there was a majority of, uh, of, of them very tightly connected to the meat and dairy uh, industries. Can you speak to that at all? Absolutely, yes. Thanks for asking about that. It's again, it's it's sort of a of a, a systematic problem where the government is making nutrition recommendations to the American public that are heavily influenced by the very industries that they're supposed to be um, giving people, you know, mostly mostly foods that they people shouldn't be consuming. Um, and so this was an example of that, where every five years. The um, USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture and Health and Human Services, as a joint effort, are supposed to be revising these nutrition recommendations. And we found when we, we were able to obtain information um, under the Freedom of Information Act that a majority of these members had taken money from the meat and dairy industries. And what was interesting in that particular year is that, that nobody had taken money from any fruit and vegetable association or any you know whole grain group or anything like that. It was it was just uh, meat and dairy, and it shows you the influence that those industries have. And then, unfortunately, it does um, appear in the recommendations that that our government gives to people. Right, and there's I, I believe this is also under the USDA's jurisdiction. There is a a budget for promotion of different. Uh, food products that uh, the last time I checked it was kind of absurdly weighted against the foods that the USDA itself even says, uh, you know, logically you should be consuming more fruits and vegetables, and yet the the money uh, tends to go much more toward promoting uh, the consumption of meat and dairy. Is that still the case? You know, real quickly, just, historically it has been where these, you know, the meat and dairy industries have wielded tremendous power, and they go to Congress and they say, we want you to help us promote our products. And Congress comes up with these laws that the USDA is then required to carry out, saying you must promote dairy, you must promote cheese, you know, milk, ice cream, and you must promote beef. And most Americans are familiar with those slogans that came out of those programs. Beef is what's for dinner, pork, the other white meat, the incredible edible egg. Those are all USDA, they're called checkoff programs. Right. Um, and you don't really, you don't really see any for fruits and vegetables. But this year, um, there's what's called the Farm Bill, and every five years, the Farm Bill does get reauthorized in Congress, and there's a much, much stronger push now to stop the craziness of these subsidies and all these programs that promote unhealthy foods. There's a long way to go because of the power that those industries still have, but uh, there, there, is, there are many, many groups now, and PCRM is, is definitely one of them. We've been meeting with members of Congress and their staff to talk to them about you know, the subsidy program, if you're going to be promoting certain foods, they should be consistent with good health guidelines um, and not just about the protecting certain industries. You shouldn't be encouraging people to consume foods that are unhealthy. Right. Well, uh, just uh, going back to the dairy ads, uh, since that's where we started, the I 
we need to be clear, we're not going to be seeing necessarily the end of milk mustache ads per se. It's just that the text that they can use, uh, they need to stop uh, putting in stuff about losing weight. But of course, the long, uh, the long time campaign for dairy has been based, uh, its health claim has been based around the notion that you must drink milk in order to make your bones strong. And I'm wondering uh, if there's anything on the drawing board there at PCRM to actually uh, attack this, the, this very large uh, kind of inconsistency. As we know scientifically, uh, the, uh, it, to put it charitably, the effect of milk on bones could be considered a wash given the number of uh, positive and negative things. And there does seem to be uh, some evidence that it may be a net negative. Is that something that you, you guys are working on, or is that something that is just too big and too well entrenched to attack? Well, I think that it's definitely something that we're working on in regard to um, getting the science out there. Um, there, there are a lot of studies that are, pub that are published, but they don't make it to the general public, and PCRM plays a role in trying to get that information to people. We um, did what's called a review article last year where we looked at all the data out there that other people had published, we put it together, and, and it showed that dairy, consuming dairy products does not reduce the risk of osteoporosis. So those you know, the, these recommendations are not founded in strong science, but it is something that has been going on for a long time. I, I'd like to say that, that uh, down the road those health claims will be stopped as well, and I think that that's a fair thing to say. It'll take a little bit longer than it did with this weight loss claim um, because it is so entrenched in, in, in the mindsets of people. But absolutely, I think just like if you look at, like I mentioned, the other government promotion programs, beef and the eggs and the cheese and uh, the, the pork, they don't make health claims. I believe there was a time early on in those programs where they tried to, and they realized they just can't. And now we see it here with dairy and, and weight loss, and I think that the, the same thing will happen to their claims about um, osteoporosis. And the other thing that's important, too, for people to be aware of is it's not just what dairy doesn't do. You know, dairy doesn't cause weight loss. Dairy doesn't reduce your risk of osteoporosis, but there's more and more science that's showing that dairy consumption is linked to increased risk of prostate cancer, increased risk of ovarian cancer, uh, and, and lactose intolerance is a huge is a huge issue for for a large percentage of the population. That if they consume dairy products, it causes discomfort. And you know, in this in this country, Asian Americans 95 percent are lactose intolerant, and lactose intolerant 70 percent of African Americans. And just overall, the world's population, 75% are lactose intolerant. It's a normal process that we would cons stop consuming milk after we are weaned from our mothers. And so, there is still a mindset here that people think that they have to drink milk. Um, and PCRM is working very actively to dispel that myth. Anything uh, in the wings in terms of warning? I mean, you're talking about actual deficits of, of milk as a food. And that, that sounds like it, it would call for some some kind of warning labels. Is right, well, I think PCM did file a lawsuit in D.C. concerning the lactose intolerance issue. Um, the court dismissed it on other grounds, and it's on appeal. It, we never, it never reached the merits of the argument. Um, and then I think once, again, more and more science is coming out looking, looking at this, um, then it'll strengthen the position to ask for warning labels. Okay. Well, so do you see, I mean, you said that 
at least in terms of the checkoff programs and the promotion of uh, fruits and vegetables versus animal products, there does seem to be a little bit of a shift there, at least uh, in this particular cycle. Do you see looking down the road uh, the, an actual trend toward a little more uh, reasonable <laughs> <laughs> uh, relationship between uh, government and industry and the media, or is it is this just like a, uh, a little blip? I don't know that we can call it a trend, but I do think you know that that people are aware that we are in a, we are having an obesity epidemic. That there are um, these chronic diseases, high a high incidence of these chronic diseases, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and a majority of these diseases are preventable through lifestyle, including what we eat. And so I, I, I hope it's a trend, and I, I think um, given our reception on the Hill, people have, um, staffers we met with have been very um, open to to looking at these health concerns and, and how government policies can uh, help rather than hurt the situations and to encourage good health because it's not just, you know, it's not just the individual person, even though that's obviously an important matter and people need to make good choices, but it has a huge impact on, on all of us through health insurance costs, prescription drug costs, all these things, it becomes a societal problem. And I think that if people have access to the information and to true information, um, and then they also have choices that they can go out to a restaurant and get a healthy meal, which is still very difficult to do. Um, and I would encourage people to be vocal in a very polite way when you go to a restaurant. Ask them if you can get, you know, a, something with tofu in it. And most of the restaurants won't carry it, but if people start asking for it, they'll realize there's a demand for it. You know, asking for healthy options will really um, make them more available for everybody. Great. Well, that's uh, certainly a step that our listeners can take, and uh, you guys at PCRM are taking a lot of steps on the other side to uh, actually affect the way that uh, these these things are promulgated and the, the kind of messages uh, that people are getting, and I, I want to just applaud you for that. And uh, we're out of time now, but again, thank you for uh, taking time out to uh, talk to us on VegCast. Thank you. If I could just mention one thing, we sure. have a new website called nutritionmd.com. Okay. People can go there and have access to all the scientific information and all the facts that support everything I've said today and much more. Okay, great. We'll have that in the show notes uh, for this podcast. And again, Mindy Kurzban from Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye.
Okay, that was Sunset Blue, a track from Beloved Binge, uh, which is a two-piece band uh, that got its start out in Seattle. As I said, they're now in North Carolina. If you're anywhere around Durham, uh, North Carolina, be sure to uh, head out and see them. As I said, they constantly seem to be playing somewhere or other in the area. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, hearing from them again on VegCast. But right now, it's time for... Science Our science fact is one that ties in with the barbecue season. It's from CBC News, a Canadian news agency. The headline is Toxic Products Found in Blood of Barbecue Lovers. And let's read the lead of that. As barbecue season gets underway, a new study suggests a class of toxic chemicals released by grilling, broiling, and frying meat may increase the risk for life-threatening diseases. Now, I don't know if this is, in fact, the compound or the agent that uh, Mindy Crispin was talking about in her interview, but uh, it does explain advanced glycation end products, also known as AGE products or AGEs, are produced and absorbed into the body when meat or cheese is cooked at high temperatures. Uh, When AGEs build up in the body, oxidative stress, damage linked to aging results, And in a study appearing in the April issue of the Journal of Gerontology Medical Sciences, Dr. Helen Vlasara and her colleagues tie AGE products to heart disease, diabetes, and kidney disease. A sustained and chronic inflammation damages the tissues, Vlasara told CBC News. Therefore, it will damage the heart, it will damage the kidneys and the brain. So, again, the uh, basic idea here, life-threatening diseases in compounds that uh, come from grilling, broiling, and frying uh, meat or cheese, basically animal products. And just throwing that in there uh, with as the science with just the comment that, of course, this is the time of the year that the news agencies always put out uh, the little stories about foodborne illness. Now that grilling season has started, now that barbecue season has started, you have to be careful to cook your meat thoroughly to kill the pathogens that are probably in it. And, of course, those pathogens, uh, that uh, almost all of which come from the feces of the animal that was killed, are going to be there. You just got to expect that. So you're going to expect that you're going to be eating uh, part of those feces. But as long as you cook the meat to a high enough temperature, you'll kill the pathogens, and you can go ahead and eat that and not worry so much about foodborne illness. But I just think that it's interesting uh, for those who would uh, put forward the opinion that meat eating is what our bodies are designed for. It's our natural diet. That nature or God or whoever set up this system gave us such a tiny, tiny slim window of opportunity there for uh, how we can cook our meat, how, uh, what temperature it can be at, and still be something that has a net positive for our health. Uh, and there are such extreme pitfalls with life-threatening diseases on one side or the other if we don't get it exactly right. But, you know, that's just one of those crazy conundrums that arises when you look at the very latest science Okay, that's going to do it for the 25th VegCast. Thanks for downloading us, and thanks for subscribing if you do. And if you don't, get on that. Of course, uh, VegCast is available through iTunes and other pod-catching systems. I just wanted to say before we go, I just heard uh, last night an interview with Kevin Costner on Fresh Air uh, where he was asked about how he had gained weight 
for a uh, role for the upside of anger and asked how he had lost the weight. He had, had to gain it and lose it so quickly. And in answer to how he had lost the weight, his answer, of course, was, I quit drinking milk. And I also found uh, another source where he was asked how he gained the weight and answered that question, uh, including the answer that he was drinking milk to gain weight. So that's uh, going to make for an interesting milk mustache ad for Kevin Costner. We will be back with you in June for two podcasts in June. Only had one for this month, but I hope you uh, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend and the entire interim until that time. And until then, get out there and live like you mean it. <laughs>